from deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this this uh, program is being recorded a couple days before you hear it. So if anybody that I mentioned died in the interim, and I'm being um, disrespectful to them, you understand. But what about our, speaking of disrespect, what about our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia? Here's a name that may ring a bell. The name of a giant construction firm in Saudi Arabia. The Bin Laden Group. (laughs) Yes, yes, he was related. He was one of them. And they're still going strong. But they've laid off, not that strong apparently, they've laid off thousands of workers leading to rare protests as opposed to medium protests, as workers torch seven buses demanding compensation. Low oil prices are beginning to bite in earnest in Saudi Arabia, reporting done by oilprice.com. The numbers of layoffs range from 50,000 to 77,000, many of whom say they were not paid for several months. So being laid off really is kind of a good thing. Bin Laden which last year had all of its contracts frozen after a crane fell over the Grand Mosque in Mecca, killing 107. You hear about that? Me neither. It denied it owed its workers any compensation because, you know, it's the Bin Laden group. No, the company said the layoffs were a routine adjustment to a slowdown in construction activity. Despite Deputy Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's bold reform plan, Chances are things will get worse before they get better, according to oil price. Last year, when Ben Salman effectively took the reins of the government, he was surprised, and his whole government was, that the to find out how quickly money was flowing out of the state's coffers now that oil had lost two-thirds of its value. Civil unrest in Saudi Arabia may uh, hurt, even though the country, as has been suggested, increases its production further. One of the first things Ben Salman did was to raise the price of consumer goods and utilities substantially by removing state subsidies. Further measures foreseen in the Vision 2030 plan unveiled by the Saudi government include the introduction of VAT. That's a consumer, well, it's a tax on every transaction and other taxes on luxury goods and soft drinks. He uh, says the plan does Salman, bin Salman, will uh, make the transition easier on lower-income Saudis. The workers laid off by the bin Laden group are foreigners, mainly Egyptians. And an unnamed company official was quoted by a Saudi daily, Al-Watan, I read it for the articles, as saying that the bin Laden group plans to fire another 12,000 people, all Saudis. Currently, the company employs some 17,000 Saudi nationals, so that would leave only about 5,000 left to enjoy their freedom as employees of Bin Laden Group. Think of it. And now, news of Nice Corp. Nice people doing nice things. Well, News Corporation, Nice Corporation, has reported a net loss for the first three months of this year of $149 million compared to a profit of $23 million in the same quarter last year. This is a result of a one-time-only legal charge of $280 million at the subsidiary News America Marketing. This was, I, I mentioned this 
many, many years ago when it first came up. It was being reported, I think, in 2008. And this is the the end of the story. News America is an in-store advertising and grocery coupon business. News Corp, Nice Corp, said it agreed to pay the $280 million to resolve the claims that News America had monopolized the market for in-store promotions at more than 50,000 retail outlets across the United States using what some reported as strong-arm tactics to uh, get competitors out of those grocery stores to get the advertising on the floors of those markets that so that you could, you know, be motivated. News of Nice Corp. Nice people doing nice things. Speaking of nice, hello. Welcome to the show.
from my hideaway, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you. It's in Southern California this week. Uh, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, tales of airport security. It's been a while. The Transportation Safety Administration here in the United States gambled on millions of wealthy Americans opting out of its scanner and shoe shoe removal process and signing up for its pre-check policy, which allows travelers to pay for the privilege of walking through a metal detector with their shoes on and their laptops remaining in their bags. This is from the Boeing Boeing blog. That was a gamble the TSA lost. Americans have stayed away from the pre-check process in droves. I think they're uh, late model droves, but still, the TSA had already committed to cutting staff in anticipation of much smaller lines at their checkpoints. Instead of lightning, the lines have gotten longer as the U.S. economy has, quote, recovered. Check those job figures this week to see why there are the quotes around recovery. And low oil prices have kept the price of plane tickets down. The TSA is now warning travelers to expect very long security lines this summer. Denver Airport warns its lines can take three hours to clear. Just another reason to fly through Denver. The TSA is scrambling to train more staff. In the meantime, whole airports worth of people are missing their flights, sending the airport managers and airlines into rare public displays of temper against the government agency, calling the lines unacceptable. American Airlines, a fiasco. The head of the Charlotte Douglas International Airport, been there, flown there, and accusing the agency of lying when it cites crowds as the reason for lines. That's the line of the Denver Airport. The agency still hopes more people will sign up for pre-check, which turns travel into a profit center for the agency rather than a cost center. However, even pre-check flyers aren't immune at certain airports, as the host of this program discovered. You may be flying at a time when they just don't have any personnel at the pre-check line. And you've paid your money, as Dire Straits once said, for nothing. And uh, as the TSA diverts its staff to handle the three-hour lines, the pre-check lines have slowed down. The ones in Newark can take more than an hour to clear. But you're in Newark. You can experience Newark. At Charlotte Douglas International Airport in North Carolina, been there, about 600 passengers missed their flights on March 25 because an inadequate number of screeners led to waits exceeding three hours, according to airport officials. The uh, airport's interim director of aviation called the episode a fiasco. The situation, he said, could have been avoided had the TSA had the proper staffing or overtime budget necessary to meet customer demand, he wrote in a letter to the TSA. And you know those get opened and read and lead to change. Tales of Airport Security, copyrighted feature this broadcast. This is Le Show, and the farmers have their spring crops in the ground, and 
Every year about this time, we take a look at the long-range marketing picture for sorghum. It's a kind of a bellwether crop. And what? No, I, th I thought we changed our newsmaker number. How, how did you? Okay. All right, I'll take it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll get back to the uh, long-range sorghum outlook, but we do have a call on our new newsmaker line, so uh, let's see who's on it. Hello, you're on the air. Hey, listen, you're lucky I didn't make you come do your whole show at Trump Tower. You better at least take my call. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, we're talking to uh, the, uh, what I guess everybody agrees we have to describe as the presumptive Republican nominee for president, Donald Trump. You know, it's the first time I've been called presumptive and haven't taken it as an insult. I guess I'm still new at this politics thing. <laughs> well, welcome, but, to uh, the, welcome to the broadcast and the podcast, sir. You know, it's a loser show and a loser podcast, but I, I'm, 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 I'm being more presidential now, so I'll just say it's a huge pleasure to be on with you. Did you. you ever get another Philadelphia station, by the way? That was a disgrace. I, I, you really are being more presidential. Ooh, You're pandering to the host. And look, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, people who are my friends know I'm a very nice guy. Mm. Just ask Don King mm -hmm. or Carl Icahn, Mike Tyson. Well, but I, I, I think what I want to talk about with you is this whole Paul Ryan thing. Yes, apparently, we, according to the media, uh, you're planning to meet with the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, uh, sometime this week. Well, we're still working that out. Uh -huh. He isn't sure he wants to come to Trump Tower, even though we have the best taco bowls in the world I, and one of the best Taco Bells, too, down in the subway concourse beneath the building. Uh -huh. about two floors down from the lobby, but it's still, strictly speaking, my building, I even see. though I didn't build the concourse. Sure, but I think everybody who's who's talking about and this... And everybody is talking about this, and nobody's mm -hmm. talking about crooked Hillary, <laughs> which is how it's going to be till November. Uh -huh. You know, I, I, I hear her start talking. I immediately want to hit the remote and go to something else, even if I see her in person, which mm -hmm. is strange. Well, but, what, what I was getting to yeah. uh, is... Uh, are you expecting to change anything about your candidacy or your issues when you meet with Speaker Ryan? He seems to uh, be having some problems with your stance and some issues. L and let me tell you something about Paul Ryan. Okay. Everybody calls him the Speaker of the mm -hmm. House and yeah. Mr. Speaker and Speaker Ryan and, the, and all this. Mm -hmm. How do we know he really is the Speaker? Have we seen his Speaker certificate? Oh, I don't think we want <laughs> No, no, I'm just saying. Some very credible people have said this to me. Yeah. I've watched the shows, mm -hmm. and nobody has produced his certificate proving he was elected Speaker. I just think that's something we should look into. Maybe he's Speaker. Everything's fine. I'm just saying I don't know. And many, many qualified people are saying, where is the certificate? You know, I, I have to tell you the truth. I didn't even know there was a certificate. Mm -hmm. I thought the House just voted. And, exactly. And, I think we all just assumed that. Mm -hmm. Now, hopefully, when I meet up with Paul Ryan this week, maybe he wants to do it at my gorgeous new hotel in Washington. It's very close to the Capitol, close to the White House, which I guess was good planning on my part. Uh -huh. But maybe he'll bring a certificate of the speakership and clear all this up. I, You know, I hope so, mm -hmm. because I want to unify the party. I'm a unifier. I may be the best unifier the party's ever had. Well, Certainly better unifier than that pathetic Mitt Romney. Uh -huh. You know, he says he's going to stay away from the convention in Cleveland. Yes. I think he announced it, because otherwise, no one would notice he's missing. He's you know, such a desperate piece of nothing. Yeah. But I'm going to unify the party with or without Mitt Romney. Frankly, without might be better, but we'll see. One, one more question, Mr. Trump, if I could. You know, on these shows, they always ask for money. Yeah. I should ask you for money because of the ratings you're going to get with this interview. But, you know, I'm being presidential. Mm -hmm. You can keep your money. Go ahead, ask. Okay, thank you. You said you're going to inject some uh, show business into the convention in Cleveland yeah. now that there's no chance of it being a contested convention. What exactly? You know, it's the same as my 
foreign policy. I want it to be unpredictable. I don't want you to know what you're going to see, whether it's the greatest stars in country music or the most fabulous beauty queens in the world or, uh, I don't know, a celebrity apprentice reunion. I want it to be surprising Mm -hmm. and a fun convention. I'm having fun out on the trail. The convention should be fun, too, right? And it will, believe me. Mm -hmm. But I don't want the Russians to know what we'll be doing at the convention in advance either, or, or ISIS or the Chinese. So it'll be great and it'll be unpredictable. But I will tell you this. When it's over, I think a lot of people will say it was the best Republican convention ever, which I know a little something about show business now. Uh-huh. That's not too hard to accomplish, but we're going to do it. Okay, well, sir, I, I appreciate your calling in today. Yeah, next time, uh, you really do have to come to Trump Tower. Uh, you know, do the whole show from here with your little skits and everything. The yeah. best Chinese food in the world is on the third level. Uh-huh. Unbelievable sushi, too. Raw than well, raw. Well, we, we, we don't often originate in New York, and I, I don't eat sushi, but uh, I'll keep it in mind, All sir. Right. And we'll get back to the sorghum outlook sometime soon here on Le Show. Meantime, news of the godly. A religious order covered up the sexual crimes of an Irish priest who abused more than 100 children, some as young as six years old, according to a new report. The failures of the Salvatorian order to act on the crimes of a priest named Father A., a were outlined in a report released this week by Ireland's National Board for Safeguarding Children. Good work, everybody. During a career spanning more than 50 years, Father A sought out girls between the ages of 6 and 9 and abused them while visiting their family homes. Well, home is the best place for that, I guess, if you're Father A. Father A would stop visiting families when their daughters turned 10 as they were then outside his preferred target age group, the report said. Whatever happened to Father A? He used to be so not nice. The priest has been named in Irish media as the Reverend Patrick McDonough, who was convicted in 2007 of sexually abusing several girls. He died two years later. Well, his work was done. The report describes the priest as, quote, a prolific long-term abuser of children. He admitted abusing more than 100 children across Ireland. If Ireland had been bigger, a female relative made the first allegations against the priest in 2002, accusing him of abusing her as a child. He was subsequently removed from his parish. Well, that should take care of him. His superiors wrote to the Archbishop of Dublin, informing him the priest had been withdrawn due to stress. You see, the cover-up continued when the priest was then moved to Rome, where the abuse allegation was not shared with the Vatican officials. He was sent to work in a hospital. Well, there weren't any children in... Oh, and an archive. The review of the Salvatorian's handling of the case found that the priest continued to abuse children until at least 2004. The Salvatorians, ladies and gentlemen, adding to our honor roll of News of the Godly, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Down at the seashore
from Southern California, this is the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, follow the dollar. Amazing where the dollar leads. Donald Trump has, of course, slammed Washington insiders, lobbyists, and Wall Street, tapping popular anger, populist anger, to uh, get very close to the Republican presidential nomination. But Mother Jones reports that when it came time to pick the top money man for his campaign, because he's not going to be self-funding his campaign in the general election. Well, it's a, it's a 180, but he turned to a hedge funder best known for running a bank that made billions off taxpayer bailouts and by one account cost the federal government 13, you and me, $13 billion. This week, Trump named Stephen Mnuchin, a former Goldman Sachs partner. Yes, the same company that employed Ted Cruz's wife to Donald Trump's amusement earlier in this campaign cycle. He's a hedge fund boss from Los Angeles now, and he's now Trump's national campaign finance chairman, raising money for the one-time self-funder. Mnuchin has worked with many of Wall Street's biggest firms. He's perhaps best known for his leadership in organizing the takeover of a subprime mortgage business called IndyMac in 2009. This is in California. Manukin organized a team of billionaires. I'd love to do that. Hands. Uh, to buy the California-based bank assets from the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the federal government's way of insuring banks and depositors. After the government insurance fund had taken over the bank, Manukin's group paid roughly a billion and a half, receiving a promise from the FDIC to cover a portion of the losses on bad loans in the IndyMac pool. The FDICs, that is to say the taxpayers' losses on these assets, have since risen, ballooned, to an estimated $13 billion. The FDIC took on most of the risk. Mnuchin and his partners, who named their bank OneWest, ended up doing pretty well. They parlayed their $1.55 billion investment into a $3.4 billion payday last year when he engineered the sale of OneWest to another California bank. Along the way, OneWest issued more than $2 billion worth of dividends to its shareholders, including Mnuchin. OneWest's owners got a great deal when they bought IndyMac's failed business from the FDIC. But the bank has not been lenient with homeowners who have found themselves in financial trouble. In fact, OneWest was targeted by regulators, finding the bank was unrepentant in the face of questioning. In one investigation of predatory loan practices, OneWest was the only bank that refused to settle. It was also the target of angry homeowners who filed lawsuits around the country that accused the bank of being overly aggressive in foreclosing. It's the bank, just to remind you, run by the man who is now Donald Trump's finance chairman. In one notable 2009 case that turned into a cause celeb for opponents of predatory loan practices, a Minnesota woman found herself locked out of her mother's house in the middle of a blizzard after One West took the house and change the locks while still in negotiations to refinance the home. But you know, you can't find you can't self fund a general election campaign when you're worth ten billion dollars, can you? Follow the dollar. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to present 
Let Us Try, a ballad of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Let us try to stem the tide To beautify our countryside We offer you our hand Let us try The head of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Great Lakes Division, that's uh, supervising Cleveland. Cleveland! Hello, Cleveland! This week issued a news release denying a report by the Environmental Protection Agency of the state of Ohio that a mass of toxic sediment on the bottom of Lake Erie poses any threat to the city's drinking water. Quote, no credible scientific evidence supports the hypothesis that a toxic blob is migrating towards Cleveland's water intakes, according to Brigadier General Richard Kaiser. By the way, about 90% of the people in the Army Corps of Engineers are not military. Just thought you'd like to know that. Brigadier General Kaiser is. He sent a simultaneous letter to the director of the EPA, Craig Butler, reiterating that claim, adding that the Army Corps continues to advocate for collaborative science-based discussion on how to address the two-square-mile mass of toxic sediment nine miles from Cleveland's shoreline, five miles from a water intake site. Butler said the polluted sediment located in a region known as Area 1, that was colorful titling, contains poisonous material dredged from the Cuyahoga River shipping channel and dumped untreated into the lake before the passage of the Clean Water Act way back in 1972. Recent tests of the sediment, Butler said, found dangerously high levels of PCBs and PAHs. Those are pollutants, in case you didn't know, and that the sediment had migrated over the years in the direction of a water intake for the city's, one of the city's treatment plants. Spokesman for the city water department in Cleveland said the tests have shown no evidence of the pollutants in the raw lake water or treated drinking water. The water remains safe, they say. Kaiser said in his letter that the EPA's and the city's concerns were unfounded. We firmly believe, said the Corps director, that the lake bottom sediment in this area is not migrating nor does it pose a risk to Cleveland's drinking water now or in the future. U.S. Army Corps of Engineers is fully committed to working with the Ohio EPA to ensure that that headline never becomes a reality. Butler told the Cleveland Plain Dealer that recent tests of the sediment found it to be 100% fatal to aquatic organisms such as worms, crustaceans, and insects that live in the soil and provide vital food for fish. Butler said it's the Army Corps' responsibility to address a cleanup of the area and to refrain from making the site worse. Here is why this is a current issue. The Army Corps wants to cap the site with additional PCB-laden sediment dredged from Cleveland Harbor this very year. They keep dredging. Got to put it somewhere. Would you like it? They just can't cover it up, said Butler. As long as that material is there and it's still moving, the Corps will be required to remove it. They cannot add new PCB-laden materials there. Since the early 1970s, all of the dredged material from the shipping channel has been stored in lakefront containment dikes. The Corps maintains the dredged sediment is now sufficiently clean to dispose of in the open lake that supplies drinking water. Butler of the Environmental Protection Agency has vowed to seek a federal court injunction to block the Corps if they insist on open lake disposal. Butler 
answers the contention that the sediment does not move. He points to the Corps' own webpage, which states, quote, most open water disposal sites in the Great Lakes are dispersive in nature, unquote, meaning they move. Let us try, ladies and gentlemen. Motto, the Army Corps of Engineers. Ever trying. Ever more trying. Speaking of water, you know, perhaps, that uh, President Obama visited Flint, Michigan this week, site of um, a most recent disturbing story about water. Just to review, the state-appointed director of Flint, the state took over the management of Flint and several other cities, including Detroit, because of their economic woes. And the state-appointed director decided to stop using Detroit River water, the historic source of drinking water for Flint, and turn instead to the Flint River, known to be polluted by years of General Motors auto manufacturing work in Flint. See Michael Moore for details. He also decided, as I mentioned on this program, to stop putting corrosion-resistant or anti-corrosion chemicals in that water so that the water, more corrosive to start with, was more apt to leach lead out of the legacy lead pipes that form the water system in Flint. This week, President Obama visited Flint to express his support for the people there and to express his opinion, because he's the president, that Flint water is now safe to drink. He proved it by taking a couple sips of Flint Michigan water, but he didn't stop there. Old lead pipes, polluted river water, developmental damage that can last a lifetime. Maybe with all those news reports, you shouldn't be drinking the water. Or should you? Hi, I'm B-Rock, and if scare stories about the water in Flint have you thinking about a dehydration machine, I've got great news. B-Rock's Water Warehouse is here to wet that whistle and keep your bucker moist all summer long. Imagine, the very same water that Flint, Michigan residents are so scared of can be yours for pennies on the dollar with the B-Rock guarantee. If I can take two sips, it's safe for your lips. We've just completed the most massive purchase in suddenly healthful water history. Thousands of gallons of Flintwood, the water that's as pure as its name. Now we can pass the savings on to you. And nobody pockets the difference. And despite what those scary news headlines may be saying, Flintwood is as safe as your very own tap water. And for just pennies more a day, you have the security of knowing that the water you're drinking has been taste-tested by B-Rock. If it weren't good to drink, I wouldn't be here selling it to you. That's the B-Rock difference. Fancy bottled waters could cost you three, four, even three or four times as much. But Flintwood comes to you direct from the truck through a lead-free hose. And talk about a sports drink. Flintwood arrives at your home or business chock full of minerals, electrolytes, and other fine solids. You can get a boost just from looking at it. So do what the man in the big White House does. Start your day with a few careful sips of Flintwood. You'll notice the dramatic lack of sudden impairment right away. And your first delivery of fine Flintwood water is as close as B-Rock's Water Warehouse. By phone, online, or just by saying you want some into your phone or computer. We hear you even when you don't think we're listening. Flintwood Water from B-Rock's Water Warehouse. Water's so good, your lawn will envy you. 
aisles filled with knockout drops. Black ops, black ops, maybe leave you in your old gym locker. Adam, back with us here in Southern California. What brings you here, Addie? Here for the uh, big industry award show. Your industry has an award show. That's right. The Addie, named after me. Wow. What a what an honor. Well, not really. It's sort of an obvious name. I guess it is. Speaking of the obvious, St. Lucie nuclear power plant operations in Florida have sucked. What? I said inhaled. More than 4,100 protected sea turtles for the ocean. More than one a day on average in the near decade. It's taken the federal government to approve a pipe grate expected to take two years to test and install, according to investigation by Treasure Coast Newspapers. Those are my favorite newspapers. It's my favorite coast. You're pandering. I am. The grate is the first attempt. They're not even listening. Okay. The grate is the first attempt beyond studies since the plant opened 40 years ago to block endangered and threatened turtles, plus divers, humans, that is to say, and other wildlife from being sucked, what? inhaled, into three pipes that run a quarter of a mile from the ocean into a canal. The grate will not block an estimated 77% of the turtles that get sucked in each year, 16,000 since plant operations began in 1976. New government rules issued in March allow the plant to suck in 143 more turtles a year than the previous cap of 1,000. guess they're not as endangered as they thought. I guess they're more endangered. Hmm. It's hard to say exactly how many turtles the plant has killed and injured. Early data didn't always cite the cause regarding turtles found on Florida Power and Light Company's property. But since 2001, the plant has been responsible for 70 turtle deaths. The majority of turtles suffer minor injuries from the five-minute trip through the barnacle-lined pipes. Well, turtles like barnacles, don't they? I don't know. The 85% of the turtles removed from the canal two years ago were observed with fresh cuts and scrapes that may have been uh, incurred during transit through the intake pipes. 
The red tape in improving the pipe grade is evidence in correspondence and regulatory documents. I've never seen a delay like that, says the president of the in-water research group, a nonprofit hired by the nuclear plant to monitor the canals and remove the turtles. Divers, eh? Divers, too. Deadline, uh, Washington State. Washington State Attorney General is exploring further legal options to keep workers at the Hanford nuclear cleanup site safe from chemical vapors. He released a statement to that effect this week. Hanford is where the U.S. built a lot of nuclear weapons. There's a lot of plutonium there. We've been trying to clean it up for a long time. Good faith efforts. The announcement of the by the Attorney General came a day after six more Hanford workers received medical evaluations for possible exposure to chemical vapors. The number of workers being evaluated for possible exposure to chemical vapors has risen to nearly 40. All were outside the tank farms where radioactive waste left from the past processing of plutonium. Nice alliteration. Thank you. For the nation's nuclear weapons program are stored in underground tanks. The vapors associated with the chemical portions of the waste the uh, stuff leaked from an internal tank to a surrounding tank. These are double tanks. You're welcome. I, and the space between them is known as the annulus. So the leak would be an annulus horribilis? It would. Good for you. The governor of Washington said the vapor issue is disturbing. The attorney general said the continued exposure of workers is shameful. He filed a lawsuit against the Department of Energy and its Hanford Tank Farm contractor seeking better chemical vapor protection for workers. It's pending, combined with a similar lawsuit filed by the Union for Hanford Pipe Fitters and Welders. Damn unions. France's ailing nuclear giant Arriva faced a major scandal this week after the country's nuclear watchdog confirmed there have been, quote, irregularities, unquote, in 400 parts produced in its reactors since 1965. Around 50 are currently in service in France's nuclear power plant fleet. You have irregularities sometimes, don't you? It's a different... France's independent nuclear safety authority said the irregularities were listed in an audit it had ordered from Areva after it detected a very serious anomaly in a reactor vessel... vessel... The pestle and the pestle. In the country's Flamanville nuclear plant, which uses the same model that Britain plans to use for two new plants at Hinkley Point. The fault in the vessel destined to house the plant's nuclear fuel and confine its radioactivity, well, that's not important, was detected last year. These irregularities consist in incoherencies, modifications, or omissions in manufacturing dossiers, said the nuclear regulator in France. The revelation came hours after the uh, director of Areva. It's a state-owned nuclear manufacturer in France. He admitted that 400 documents assessing whether parts of nuclear plants met required standards may have been, quote, falsified. That's not a serious thing, is it? The doubts over documents supposed to rubber stamp the quality of the parts destined for new generation nuclear power reactors will be a cause for serious concern for the British government poised to finalize that controversial set of reactors at Hinkley Point designed by Areva, partly financed by China. Well, they're killing us. They deserve it. Areva launched an audit late last year into anomalies 
at a site which specializes in highly complex molded parts for new generation nuclear reactors. An operator conducted tests on metal parts, then wrote down his findings on a host of parameters. Wrote it down, eh? That's advanced. When a value is obtained at the upper end of the required norm, the written reports of certain manufacturing reports were allegedly modified, according to a newspaper called Laser Echo. This was the case for around 400 parts. Well, you got to get them within the average, don't you? And the Nuclear Regulatory Commission in the United States has cited Millstone Power Station owner Dominion Resources for a violation of very low safety significance for failure of a critical backup pump that has had repeated problems in the past. Critical, but not... Yeah, significant. In an inspection report released this week, the NRC said the turbine-driven auxiliary feed water pump at Unit 3, this is at Waterford in, I believe, Connecticut, that uh, pump is needed to cool uh, to supply cooling water to the reactor if electricity is lost. It failed during a test in February. The test was being conducted to verify that the pump, powered by a generator, would be able to supply the needed volume of cooling water. During an emergency shutdown, the spokesman for the NRC says this is an important safety component. But it's very low safety significance. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? What would you have to do? During the test, pump, the pump malfunctioned when a bearing seized up. Immediate corrective actions taken by the company included... Replacing the bearing? Absolutely right. Installing a shield to minimize moisture and reduce the potential for corrosion and lubricating the bearing. But not... No. Clean, cheap, safe. Too safe to be important. Our friend, the Atom. And... Now... The Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. Donald Trump's status says the uh, presumptive nominee appears to be affecting some changes of heart. Uh, Maya Couple comes from Vicente Fox, Mexico's former president, who had used the F-word in talking about Trump's wall-building scheme in February. He now tweeted, Forgiveness is one of the greatest qualities that human beings have. I apologize, he told Breitbart news regarding his F-bomb. You have to be humble. You have to love thy neighbor. An unexpected last-minute decision by Governor Rick Snyder of Michigan to step up to a microphone and face a crowd of angry Flint, Michigan residents set off a tense exchange. He spoke ahead of Barack Obama's appearance there. I understand why you're hungry and fru- angry and frustrated. He said, I want to come here today to apologize, to say I'm sorry, and I will fix this. Fix this, Governor. Uh, 50 Cent the rapper turned actor interesting um, had apparently some time to kill before taking a flight out of the Cincinnati airport he created a video in which he complained about the Ute of today in the video he verbally accosted a recent high school graduate Andrew Farrell who works at the airport as a custodian the video contains strong language opening with 50 donning a wide brim cap and what appears to be several days double talking directly into the camera The new generation is crazy, he says. They crazy. The rapper, whose real name is Curtis Jackson III, then approaches Farrell, who quietly pushes his custodial cart along the airport corridor. What's your name, 50 asks. In response, Farrell shakes his head and continues to push the cart. He keeps his eyes trained straight ahead and looks uncomfortable. 50 continues to follow Farrell, keeping the camera trained on him. Look at him. What kind of S you think he took before he got to work today? He hires a obscenity. Right, uh, I think it's a profanity, not an obscenity. Right here in the airport, pupil dilated everything, looking like 
The entire time as 50 moves the camera to capture a portrait of Farrell's face, the young man shakes his head and tries to look away. The new generation is uh, uh, profanity crazy, 50 concludes as the video cuts off, posting it to Instagram. Well, it was seen by um, at least one person who went to um, high school with Farrell. He has extreme social difficulties, just to let you know, said the user. He has a hard enough time getting through life without jackasses like you making fun of him. I hope you feel good about yourself. Farrell's parents saw the video, went on TV to say they were appalled. Andrew, it turns out, has a hearing impairment, autism, and social anxiety disorder. Why would you attack my kid like that, Farrell's mother asked. On Tuesday, 50 Cent released an extremely brief apology. It reads, quote, while the incident at the airport resulted from an unfortunate misunderstanding, please accept my sincere apologies for offending you. It was certainly not my intent to insult you, and I wish you and your family well. The Farrell family accepted the apology. He talks different when he's apologizing. You know that? Sean Penn has settled his defamation lawsuit against Lee Daniels, wrote a public letter of apology to the actor after accusing him of hitting women last year. I am so sorry that I've hurt you, Sean, and I apologize and retract my reckless statements about you. How thoughtless of me. You were someone I consider a friend, a brilliant actor, and true Hollywood legend and humanitarian, Daniels wrote. In a joint statement with Penn, obtained by People, along with the apology, Daniels made a donation to Penn's Haitian Relief Organization. So the Haitians made out like... Oregon standoff defendant Sean Anderson apologized this week for his video rants that went viral when he was one of the last occupiers at the National Wildlife Refuge. Anderson stood beside his lawyer and said he was sorry. I was very embarrassed, he said, when earlier this week he watched the videos played in court for the first time. I'm very ashamed of it. He spoke at the urging of the judge, who said he wanted to hear directly from the defendant before reviewing a magistrate judge's order calling for his release. Anderson asked the judge to understand his frame of mind at the time. He was disturbed by the police shooting death of his friend. The spokesman of the refuge occupation, Robert Lavoie Finnegan, and said he heard the FBI was going to come in and kill all of us. Jones said he didn't ask for Anderson's justification of his actions, but wanted to understand how he feels now. Virginia Tech has issued multiple apologies to Jason Riley, a conservative columnist for the Wall Street Journal, for disinviting him to speak on their campus. One from the president and one from Robert T. Summercrast, dean of the Pamplin School of Business. The first came on Thursday morning when Sands apologized. Sands, the uh, president, apologized to Riley for the confusion over whether he'd been invited to speak. Summercrast then spoke with Riley by phone that afternoon and later released a formal apology of his own on the institution's website. Guess it's a big deal to speak at Virginia Tech. Who knew? And Italian luxury goods maker Gucci, not Pucci, has apologized for sending warning letters to Hong Kong stores that sell paper versions of its products as offerings to the dead. Paper replicas of items like mansions, cars, iPads, and luxury bags are buried, or sorry, are burned in the belief that deceased relatives can use them in the afterlife. She said it would not pursue legal action. And they said, we regret any misunderstandings that may have been caused and sincerely apologize to anyone we may have offended. 
through our action. The Apologies of the Week, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations. Hard to believe. On NPR worldwide throughout Europe, you send 440 cable system in Japan, around the world, through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America, via the shortwave giant WBCQ, on the mighty 104 in Berlin, on the equally mighty Soho Radio in London. Available for your smartphone through Stitcher.com, available around the world via the Internet at two different locations, live and archive, whatever you want it, harryshearer.com and kcsn.org. And available as a free podcast at iTunes, SoundCloud, Sideshow Network, tunein.com, and wwno.org. And it'd be just like me remembering all that if you'd agree to join with me then, would you? All right, thank you very much. Uh Tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Exile and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halston and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, playlist of the music heard here on, and your big, big, big opportunity to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, all at harryshear.com. And I'm... Yapping away on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station for the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from my hideaway. <laughs> <laughs>